Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 168, and today we're going to be talking about five Amazon business myths that have people confused, and I know this because, well, I get a lot of questions. I get a lot of questions on the workshop, especially at the end when we do the live Q&A, and I get a lot of people that ask these questions, and I want to go over them today and demystify these, debunk them, if you will, and uh, you know, just want to give you my thoughts on it, all right, because they are roadblocks. In a lot of cases, people don't get started or they get frustrated and give up because, well, they either believe this or they've run into this and they, they are their beliefs when I just want to, again, I want to try to get people that are at that point over these hurdles, all right? Now, before we jump in, let me just remind you that uh, I do a live workshop. Like I just mentioned, I do live Q&A on these workshops, but I also cover the five phases for picking a product, for sourcing a product, for launching and promoting everything in between, we cover it on a live workshop. I would love to invite you to that. If you haven't attended one, or even if you have and you want to come back and attend another one, you're more than welcome to. And you can register for an upcoming one by heading over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. Once again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. And again, I cover everything start to finish as far as getting a product up and running on Amazon. And we do live Q&A. And again, that's where these questions kind of came from. So I want to address them here and break them down and talk about each one and also give you some resources uh, to help you through these if you are struggling with these. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and uh, let's let's jump in. What do you say? So number one, the number one thing, and these aren't in really order of like, like the number one, the top thing. Um, this is a big one though. I hear this a lot. And number one is Amazon is saturated with sellers and there's no room for me or new products. Now you may have asked yourself this and you may think this. Um, I'm here to tell you that my personal opinion, again, this is my opinion. Now I don't believe that's true. I think that there is a lot of opportunity still out there, not to mention Amazon is growing like crazy. Um, the last I checked, there was over 244 million active customers there, okay, and uh, you know, that's just a great opportunity for any of us, right? It's a, it's a great opportunity because they're buyers, and I, I, I can't say this enough, guys, right? I mean, there is buyers there with credit cards on file. In order to have an Amazon account, guess what? You have to have an Amazon, or not an Amazon, you have to have a credit card. I, I use an Amazon card. If you guys are not using an Amazon card yet, you really need to. I love it. it uh, I'm not, I'm not a, an affiliate for it or nothing, but I just use it. I love it. I get points. Uh, if I buy uh, on Amazon, I believe I get triple points. Uh, I, use my, I buy my gas, my groceries, everything. It's just a great thing. You can even buy product. You're sourcing if you're sourcing product, you can use it and then get points. Um, so yeah, but anyway, I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is, People that have a, an Amazon account, they have to have a credit card on file so they can buy stuff, right? One click, you know, add to cart and you can check out without even hardly doing anything, right? It's, you don't have to enter your credit card information. So when people say that it's too saturated, there's already sellers, we've already exposed this opportunity and now it's just over with. And I believe that that's wrong. Um, I mean, I think that you can start, you know, the same way that you could start when it first kind of was known that you could, you know, use this model, right? Now, is there different challenges? Yeah, of course. Anytime that more people come into a marketplace, you're going to have more competition. But I think the more competition also helps us 
to, uh, you know, to really start thinking outside the box and then, you know, maybe do things a little bit differently, maybe creating more of a unique product, maybe better packaging, maybe better customer service, maybe that stuff. But a lot of people, they just want the quick and easy, right? Well, I heard that you can just take a product and launch it and set it up there. And all of a sudden sales are going to start flooding in. Well, that doesn't really happen like that anymore. Yeah. You might get lucky every now and then, and I don't like to use the word luck that much, but you know, you may go ahead and decide to roll out a product and it just takes off. That may happen. But most of the time, that's not going to happen like that. I mean, you got to put work into it and, uh, you know, it, it's possible, but you know, people out there are still saying, well, it's too saturated. You know, yeah, it's saturated for people that just want to throw up a product and, and just say, oh, I'm going to sell the same thing that everyone else is selling. And then I'm going to get sales. You know, yeah, you're right. You know, the long-term vision for this and kind of the way that I'm using Amazon and I, right from the beginning, I was testing Amazon to test, to see if products were selling. But then from there, I've always had the vision of, you know what, once we validate, once we verify, then yes, we want to start building out our brand, not just on Amazon, but off of Amazon, which we're not going to go into that. But, you know, I do not believe that Amazon is so saturated right now with private label sellers that there's no room for anyone else. I think that's an excuse. I think it's people wanting to be lazy and saying, well, you know what? It's just not easy. Well, it's not, nothing is easy, right? It takes work. So yes, there's more sellers, but do I believe that it's saturated? I say no. So I believe that that's a myth. All right. I think it's a myth and I think it's it's an excuse sometimes for people to say, well, I'm not going to give it a try. I'll try something else that technically, and I'm going to put the air quotes up, is easy. Right. There's a silver bullet out there and I'm going to go find it. Right. Um, that's not it. OK. So number one, Amazon is saturated with sellers and there's no room for my or for me and new products. I say that's a myth. All right. Number two. And again, guys, I'm sorry if I'm ranting here a little bit, but, and I know if I was on Periscope right now, people would say rant, baby rant. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I get into this because, you know, I get excited about it because and excited in a hypey kind of way, I guess, or, you know, excited kind of way is because I do know that there's still opportunity there. It's just, if you're looking for an easy way, you know, anyone looking for an easy way and then it's not there and then they say it doesn't work. That just kind of, it kind of frustrates me because I do believe that there's a ton of opportunity there. So anyway, little uh, disclaimer there. Number two, moving on, Scott, move on. Will you please? Number two, you need to have a lot of money to start. Okay. Now I believe, and I know this because there's people that I've interviewed and there's people that have emailed me that they haven't had that much to start. Now, here's the thing. If you think that it costs a lot of money to start, why don't you just go ahead and go into target, go into a big box store and go to the closeout rack pick up something there that you think would sell on Amazon or take and look at it on Amazon and see if it's a popular product. And then from there, go ahead and launch that one product. Let's say it costs you $30 to get five units of something and you could sell them each for 20 bucks or whatever, right? You could start like that, right? Now, is that private labeling? No, but it means you can start, right? You can start the process. You can learn the process, right? Do you think that everyone just starts with five grand and says, I can start this thing with five or 10 grand? No, that's not the case. And I have someone here I want to I introduce you to if you haven't already heard of her. Um, her name is Amber, and I interviewed her on the podcast, episode 140. And I want you to listen to that episode after you get done with this episode, if you haven't listened to that already, because it's a great story, it's someone that started just like that. 
She did not, well, number one, she didn't know about this until her cousin was talking about it at a Christmas party and she thought he was doing something weird. And, you know, she's like, you know, what's he up to now kind of thing. And then she started listening and started becoming interested in it because he was selling stuff and she didn't have a ton of money. So she said, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to try this retail arbitrage thing and I'm going to try to raise up some money. And I think she raised, I don't know, maybe a thousand or 1200 bucks. Actually, you'd have to go back and listen to that episode to know the exact number, but I know wasn't that much. And I know that she saved up the money. And then once she saved up the money while she was doing the retail arbitrage, she was doing research and she was finding the product that she wanted to potentially launch. And then she got up enough money to place her first order. And then she did that. And uh, well, fast forward in the fourth quarter of this past year, she was doing over 150 to 175 units a day on that item, which by the way, I need to note, she was following my 10 by 10 by 1 strategy, which turned into a a lot more than that uh, by doing this, but she started, right? And there's something I've been doing on Periscope too. I've been doing hashtag just start because a lot of people, they get stuck because they, they think of these things as, you know, I can't do this until I do this, right? Or I don't have enough money to get started, so I'm gonna wait. Well, you know what? You can start today with... 50 bucks by going into Target or any big box store and finding a closeout that they're they're trying to get rid of because the next season's coming in and they're, they want to offload this at 80% off, right? I mean, you can do that today. There's nothing stopping you from that. And yeah, if you don't have 50 bucks, then go work for someone for five hours and, and make 50 bucks or whatever, whatever it's going to take, right? That's what it takes to get started. And uh, it's just excuses is what we're really, and all, all of us, I'm not, I'm not just kind of pointing fingers. I mean, I've done that myself in the past, but I know a lot of people that they just keep saying, well, when I do this, I'll do this. And when I do this, I'll get this. And the thing is, sometimes that never happens. So you got to find a way to get there. So the excuse or the myth that you need to have a lot of money to start I say that is a myth because you could start today with barely any money um, to at least get started and start learning the system. Um, and again, Amber is a perfect example of that. And I would urge you to listen to that if you have any doubts or any questions and listen to how she did it. All right. And again, that's episode 140. All right, let's move on. All right. So number three is using review groups are against terms of service. And my answer is... Um, no, they're really not unless they are, you know, allowing you to buy reviews, then yes, they would be against the terms of service, right? But a review group, this is what a review group is for those of you that don't know, or an email list or anything, um, that allows people to connect to sellers that want to give product away at a steep discount in order for that person to test and try the product and then give your unbiased review on the listing, okay? That's the right way. Now, if we're talking about, yes, review groups that are black hat, that are saying like, we've got we've got 100 accounts that are fictitious accounts that are set up so that way there we can just give a review on a product that we haven't even tried or tested. That is against the terms of service 100% and there was just a huge case about that with Fiverr.com and all of that. But going after 
people that are looking for reviews, people that have raised their hands to be in a review group that said, I would love to test Amazon products or products in general, and I would love to give my unbiased review for that at a discount. Yes, I would do it. You guys can't see me, but I'm raising my hand. Yes, me. I want to review products. Yes. Okay. It's kind of like you're going into the supermarket and you see that little you know, that little cart that they have out there with someone behind it that says, would you like to try some of our new cheese? And if you could do us a favor and fill out this survey, that would be amazing. Well, what do you think they're doing? It's the same thing, right? Yes, are there ways that are against the terms of service that review groups are being used? Yes, there are, but that's not what we're talking about. So don't think that, you know, wow, I just heard in a forum that, you know, a bunch of people got all of their reviews wiped out or 50% of them. Well, they probably either A, went to a review group that had some of these fictitious names and they had a bunch of complaints and then anyone that was in that group, all their accounts got deleted. So then all the reviews that they posted got deleted. That's one way. The other way is, is if you don't have the, the um, you know, I received this at a discount for my unbiased review, if that's not in there, that could get that, that review deleted, right? Because those are against the terms of service and Amazon is cracking down on that. Now, I would also recommend checking out episode 167, okay? That is the amazingseller.com forward slash 167. And that's where I talked to Danny Brewer all about this topic in depth. We talked for a while. We went back and forth at different topics as far as different discussion points during a launch or after if you're just doing a BSR boost or if you're doing one for just reviews. We talk all about that in that episode, so I would recommend going and checking out that episode if you are the one listening right now saying like, well, I thought that you know review groups are bad. Well, you know, yes, there are some out there that are bad, but we give you some things to look out for and you know what would be some of these preventative things to help you stay on the up and up. So again, that's number three. Using review groups are against terms of service and the the uh, to me, the their answer to that is no, they're not. Um, there are some out there, but you if you play by the rules, you'll be fine and Amazon is okay with that. Um, okay, let's move on. Number four, okay? My first product flopped. This doesn't work. Right, so you you may have had that happen, or you may have heard someone happen. And if you haven't, I'm telling you right now that people have had products launched that flopped. I had a product, I had number my product number two that you could say flopped, where you know it's only doing about two units a day. Right? Well, that was my mistake. That was my bad. Right? I didn't do my research as good as I you know do it now, and I've learned from that since then. You know, now if that was my first product, would I have thought the same thing? Yeah, I probably would have thought maybe this thing doesn't work, but then I would have went back and tried to retrace my steps. What did I do that I could have done better? What what could I what what could I have done that would have prevented this from happening? Where did I go wrong? And what happened there? Just to let you know, and I've said this before, but maybe if you haven't heard me talk about it, maybe you're new. Uh, you know, I just didn't I didn't look at the depth of the market that well. I didn't look at the demand, right? And the the other problem with this too is a lot of times is if you're looking at a market that is seasonal, that'll happen. So maybe you think that the product flopped, but then in you know fourth quarter it's gonna it's gonna bump right back up again. So you just don't know. But I've heard people say that Scott, I launched a product, I did everything, I went through the process, it just didn't work, right? Well, it usually has to do with the product research stage and that you didn't properly do the research right? It's either too many sellers in there and it's too competitive. 
So now for you to get there, you you have to really be aggressive on your promotions and on your pay-per-click and all that stuff, or you maybe went into a market that was really good in the fourth quarter, let's say, and then the sales dropped off because fourth quarter was really its peak, and then after that, it's just going to go really steady and slow, but yet you've got... 12 people on page one that are competing for all of the the people that are looking for that. So then divide it up amongst 12 sellers, there's only like maybe 50 sales a month, right? So you didn't look at the seasonality, you didn't look at the depth, you didn't look at the demand, you didn't do the right amount of back research that you should have done. You know, go into Google Trends, look at that, that'll tell you. Uh, You know, if you want to check out an episode where I do go into this, that is episode uh, 134. On that one there, I went over seven reasons why products flop and don't make it on Amazon, and I cover those in that episode. So definitely check that out if you're concerned with that or if you've had those questions or maybe that's happened to you. um, Go ahead and definitely check out that episode. Also, guys, I'll have all the show notes For all of this here, I'll have links going to these episodes if you want to go over there. I'll also have transcripts for this that you can download, so you can head over to this episode in particular, so you don't have to remember all of those different links. That will be at theamazingseller.com forward slash 168. Again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash 168. All right, so moving on, let's go to number five. Number five is Amazon pay-per-click is too complicated and not profitable. Well, there's a couple of different things there. First off, I hear people that say, well, it's just too complicated. I can't use it. Well, I say that it's not that complicated. Um, and, and take it from someone that never went to college. You know, I don't consider myself like the brightest bulb. Uh, but, you know, I do have common sense and I can figure things out. And, you know, if you apply yourself, I do believe that you can figure it out. And if you keep it simple right? You don't have to overcomplicate it. And again, that's something that I see a lot of people doing, guys, is they overcomplicate the process. They're trying to do it all versus just starting and then working in small steps to, you know, each different section of that particular uh, area that they're working in. So example, if you're going to be setting up your Amazon pay-per-click, the very first thing that you're going to do is set up an auto campaign. The very first thing that you're going to do right? And then let the data tell you what to do next, right? That's my strategy. That's how I move forward. And yes, I'll probably throw a manual campaign together right off the bat of the top five or 10 keywords that I know are the main keywords because I've looked at my competition. I've done some research on my keywords and those are the ones that I know are pretty popular. Then I'm going to let the data start to dictate what I do next. All right. Now, again, I have another episode that I did uh, with uh, Chris Schaefer on this, and that was episode 119, where I share, him and I both share, how to use the new Amazon pay-per-click to receive more sales, and we give a step-by-step plan in that, and uh, if you want to check that out, go over to episode 119. Again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash 119, or just go to the show notes to this page. Everything will be there for you, linked up, so you can just go ahead and go right to that episode. So again, People overcomplicate it. In that episode, in 119, him and I discuss, we really give like three campaigns to start with and then how to break those down. And then also the new features that Amazon recently rolled out to make it even more powerful. And that is your broad search, you have your phrase search, and then you have your exact search. And you also have negative keywords now. And again, you don't have to really think about that stuff right off the bat. The very first thing you're going to do is just run broad campaigns so you can start pulling in the data because Amazon is going to give you all that data. 
And once they start giving you that data, that's when they can go ahead and really, or you can go ahead and start seeing what you want to focus on and what, you know, what the data is telling you is that you need to start focusing on these certain keywords, or maybe you then want to take those keywords and start running them into a phrase match because they're, they're becoming more, um, you know, concentrated, right? So you just, Again, not to overcomplicate it, but you want to look and see the ones that are getting the impressions, getting the clicks, and getting the sales, all right? And people saying that it's not profitable. Well, it's not profitable because you're probably running keywords too long before you end up pausing them, all right? And understanding that those that are doing poor are also contributing to your not being profitable. The other thing that I should mention is people also look at that in it, in itself as if it's profitable. So for an example, if you're looking at just the data there and saying, okay, I spent $10 and I made $10. So that's not really good, right? That's like not even a break even, right? Because you charge $10, but you didn't make $10. So you lost some money there. But let's say that you did that. And again, that's a very, very small uh, example. But if you did that, let's say, you know, on a larger scale, or you did that over time, let's say you did that over a month, 30 days, what you might not realize is because you're running uh, traffic to those keywords and those keywords are converting, at least they're converting, they might only be breaking even or even losing a little bit of money. What that's starting to do is it's starting to allow you to rank for those keywords. So now when you start to show up organically for those keywords, it was because you, you drove traffic to those keywords in pay-per-click in the first place. So that's what people don't look at either. They look at the profitability inside of the Amazon pay-per-click platform, but they don't look at it as a whole. And you have to be able to do that because if you start ranking organically for keywords, especially the ones that you are paying for, well, then you start getting, let's say, 10 sales a day because now you're ranking on page one, but because you ran the pay-per-click, that helped you get to page one. So I hope you can follow that. The profitability doesn't just come from the Amazon pay-per-click campaigns that you're running. It comes from the organic, and the organic is really where it matters the most because you're going to get more sales organically if you're on page one and if you have a product that you've done the research and you have the demand and you know that if you get to page one, you're going to start getting some sales, then you'll be willing to sacrifice some of that profit on the pay-per-click side because you know it's going to drive sales to the organic side. So just wanted to really, really make that clear. And that's how I look at it. And, you know, if my campaigns aren't 100% profitable, especially in the beginning, I'm okay with that. It's, it's you know, am I able to get myself to rank for those keywords and can pay-per-click help me do that? And in most cases, it can. All right, so let's go ahead and go through these five myths really quick again. Uh, and I'm just gonna kind of read through these. And then I have two additional things that I wanna talk about. So number one, Amazon is saturated with sellers and there's no room for me or new products. And I believe that that's a myth. And I think that you just need to be a little bit more creative. Yes, you need to do a little bit more work because, you know, yeah, there's more sellers, there's more competition and that's okay. Um, okay. So moving on to number two, you need to have a lot of money to start. And I think you heard me say that you could start with very little money. If you want to do retail art to get started, yes, it's not private labeling, but you can work yourself to that if you're on a limited budget. And again, I shared Amber with you who started with 
almost nothing and then did retail arbitrage, built that up to a thousand dollars so she can invest in her first private label product. And then the rest is history. And again, that's on the episode that I'm going to share with you in the show notes. Number three, using review groups are against terms of service. And again, I want to, you know, kind of go back to the episode I just did with Danny Brewer and we talk all about this. Yes, there are review groups out there that are, you know, on the shady side and they're out there where you can buy reviews. And I'm not saying that. I don't think anyone should do that. Um, But there are a lot of good reviews groups out there as well. And it is part of the process. And like I said, Amazon is okay with it as long as you are disclosing that you or that they received it at a discount for an unbiased review. Number four, my first product flop, this doesn't work. Well, again, I have a a podcast that I did on this exact thing with seven reasons why products flop and don't make it on Amazon. And, you know, a lot of the times the reason is, is the product research right in the beginning. And then from there, sometimes it goes into where it's just not marketed properly and it's not giving enough attention, enough love uh, to allow it to get legs. All right, and um, and again, that there I talk about in uh, episode 134. And then uh, number five is Amazon pay-per-click is too complicated and it's not profitable. And again, I just covered that. Episode 119 goes through a really good strategy to start with especially. But again, just following the data, seeing what the data says to do next, and then also understanding that the profitability doesn't just it's it's just not inside of the Amazon pay-per-click. It's also in the organic. So you need to look at both of those numbers. Now, before we wrap up here, I wanted to kind of just remind you, okay, because a lot of these things that I just kind of went over has to do with the basics, okay? And whether you're picking a product, whether you're launching, whether you're running pay-per-click, Just go back to basics, all right? Follow the basic launch process. I've laid it all out for you. Nothing has really changed. And I want to give you the the two resources that I said I wanted to give you was two podcast episodes that I recorded. And I did that because I wanted to share with you this process, kind of from start to finish. Now, episode 101 is an episode I did, and I called it the updated launch process to where I give you like what I've changed, which isn't much, uh, and kind of like what I'm doing now. And uh, this way here, you can follow that and kind of see how it all kind of goes together. So if you're brand new or if you're struggling, you might want to go back and check that one out. That is episode 101. And again, I'm going to leave these in the show notes. The other thing I want to leave you with is another podcast episode I did with Jamie V, and uh, it was a really, really popular episode because we broke it down step by step how he went with nothing, no product, no idea, and how he went through the daily touch list, how I recommended to do, and how he went through the product research, and how he launched, and all that stuff, and now how he's doing over $10,000 per month, and that was actually when we did that episode, which was all the way back on 114. He's doing more now because he's launched additional products, but he did that in 30 days from when he launched, and it's all shared on that episode, so it's a great episode to give you the play-by-play, if you will, So I want to share that link with you as well. So if you head over to this page, the show notes page, you'll have all of these links there for you. And you can also download the transcripts as well. And that is episode 168. So head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 168. Once again, theamazingseller.com forward slash 168. 
eight. And again, there's a lot of links that I'm including here that go back to other episodes because they address these certain concerns and these certain myths. And this way here, you can hear how to get through them. All right, and that's what I wanted to do in this episode. So that's it, guys. That's going to wrap it up. Once again, I want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. I know there's a lot of choices out there, and I am very, very honored that you've picked mine, and uh, hopefully that you've gotten a lot of value from this episode today as well. And just remember that I'm here for you, and I believe in you, and I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to do something for me. And what is that? Well, let's say it together, right? Let's say it loud, and let's say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you on the next episode.